Yeah. It's more rusty. That's it. <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> Yo, what are you, a sommelier? Um, I'm a water pipe. <laughs> All right, so um, I know what you guys are thinking. Really exciting news, something that just got announced today. Um, about, honestly, I think he's going to save, well, you know what I'm going to say, right? Like, oh, it's so exciting. I don't even think I can hold it in. We've been talking about it on the show, how much we've been waiting for a, for a blank show. And it, 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 it's happening. It's like going to happen. Yeah, we've... We've waited so long. It's a, it's gonna be like a full calendar year almost. And to now the day. is when we're gonna see Tua Tungavailoa. <laughs> it's time. Really come to be who yeah. he is, because we've talked about him many times on the show. There's nothing like a Tua show. Right. And bro, doesn't they thought they thought they thought Conor McGregor. No, it's the Tua show. <laughs> the Tua show. Explain what was happening in your body watching Tua go up against. Um, Herbert, and and look better, look legitimately better. Undefeated in the NFL. Am I Last right? I checked, he's three and zero. Oh. Undefeated. That's that's pretty impressive. Throws a tight one. Yeah, Throws that boy a can tight one. That boy can put it put it in a window. You know, he can <laughs> put it in between the numbers. Um, Super Bowl. Pound for pound, number one. Pound for pound, yeah, because he's pretty. Small. I think he should. If I think if Khabib isn't coming back, I think Tua should get a shot at, at that strap. So you're saying Khabib should vacate the belt, Connor and Dustin fight, and then the winner fights Tua. Currently undefeated Tua. In Miami Stadium. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Something I'm, just came out of me. Um a demon? No, something. I don't I don't know what it was, but it was It rhymed with demon. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It did. Oh, forgive us Lord. Tua looks amazing. I've never been happier. Um and I'm a Dolphins fan, so I've never been happy. So I'm not necessarily sure yeah. what I would compare it to. Yeah, I wasn't conscious enough to enjoy any of the Dan Marino era. Yeah. Um so it's like... I think the only thing I remember from the Dan Marino era, and I don't even know if it was Dan Marino throwing this ball, but it was a pick six against the Jets, where hmm. the Jets beat us 24 to nothing. And I only remember this because in, in I think it was kindergarten or, or elementary school, there was a Jets fan who like totally made fun of us for having lost to the Jets, 24 to nothing. <laughs> I think that was one of Marino's last games. Yeah. That's my memory of Dan I don't Marino. remember at all. Um, but you grew up in Miami too, yes. though, right? So, so how I was a Dolphins fan in Tampa, Florida my whole life. Well, not even. You ever ask yourself why? Yeah, yeah, a lot. The really? Owen, Owen 16 year. The uh... Did we go Owen 16? No. No, Greg Camarillo ruined that. By catching that touchdown yes. pass. It was like the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. We couldn't even lose. It was the final game of the year, right? Yeah, against it was the, the final Ravens. game against the Ravens. Caught a slant and <laughs> took it to the house. And I remember oh. I remember we celebrated that. Like, like By the way, this is a Miami Dolphins podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> We've just made the switch. We've just made the switch. 
Uh, MMA hasn't been working for us. There's nothing to talk about. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess, I guess in comparison, it's kind of cool. But Conor McGregor is back. Conor McGregor is back. So. I, and I guess the UFC won their little battle because UFC said not this year. Conor was like, yes, this year. UFC said well, not this year. And then now it's not this year. But, but it's close enough. If you look at it, the reason the UFC was supposedly standing off was because of the fans. And here we are. It's not happening till January in front of no fans. So both of them won. But the UFC, that, that should give us an indication that the UFC thought that we were going to have fans by like November, by like now. Yeah. They didn't realize there was going to be a literal second COVID. Yeah. A second pandemic. Yeah, it's weird. Because it, it's like, well, if... He was just going to fight on Yas Island anyways. Why didn't he just have his season and fight three times this they whole must, year? Then that's, it must have been, it just ha- it has to have been that the UFC genuinely thought, genuinely thought yeah. they were going to have fans. Because otherwise, if they, if they knew, if their doctors forecasted to them, bro, you're not going to have fans till what it's looking like now is late 2021. Yeah. Then I'm pretty sure they would have tried to book him sooner. On, it's crazy. Because we had a lot of these pay-per-views that were, were kind of top light. You know what I mean? But that indicates to me maybe Dana was... Because remember, Dana wants to be first. So it, he probably has had a date in his head that was even sooner than when he thought mm-hmm. other people would be doing it. Because other places are already doing fans. Miami lets fans yeah. in Dolphins games. So there's no reason Dana couldn't do minimal fans. The fact that he's chosen not to is he's waiting. I think he wants to go from no fans... To packed house. Right. I don't know if he's going to do a... Yeah, I don't think it's... Because I think the amount of money they get off the broadcast and whatnot, it doesn't make sense for them to go through all the trouble of hosting half the fans when it's like, all right, now we got to get a venue. When Mm. they could just do it at the Apex if they're not going to have fans. Exactly. It's like they don't even have to pay for a venue and stuff. Because I can't imagine it's cheap to get the T-Mobile Arena, you know. So it's like, what are you going to do if you only fill it a third of the way? And then you have people that probably, you know, in some places, then New York. New York's been very restricted mm. with COVID, so you probably won't even be able to get a venue. Yeah, the majority of the hubs, you know, are the most restricted areas yeah. as of right now. So California, like, you're probably not going to be able to do anything. They're probably not going to okay that. Yeah. Um, New York, you're probably not going to. Las Vegas is its own freaking country. They, they can yeah, probably get Yeah, but you see boxing Vegas. still, they're, they're just doing, like, the small um, ESPN, like, top rank and whatnot. They're all doing the small little UFC-style yeah. shows right now where but they're they're allowing like families to come in they're allowing your family to get tested and the families to come out um for the bigger fights on the card which i think yeah. is pretty cool to have like a small fan section everybody that gets tested so you can still have like your small group of loved ones come to the fights mm. and you still get that atmosphere a little you know you yeah. get a little bit of um you know that energy in the crowd um but yeah Either way. I mean, they, they just they just approved, right, or they just did a study on a vaccine that was very successful, apparently. That was like a 95% efficacy rate, so you're probably going to see something like that come out soon. And then I imagine that'll, if that has positive results, they're going to start opening things up by design. They might, although how do you, because if there's something out there that, if you can get vaccinated for something, then there's no reason to close things up because they don't do it for the flu or right. things that you can get vaccines for. We know COVID's different, but still. So it looks like there's 
upward movement toward normacy again, but it's like kicking back up again. Right. Like it's crazy. We're in Florida and it's getting a little crazy here. Oh, not here where we are. Where we are is actually, you know, it's not as high a population. It's not a big city. So, you know, we don't have to deal with that. Yeah. Social distancing is easy. Pretty easy around here. You don't, we can go eat places. It could be full in that it could be all the people that want to eat there that night could be there and there'd still be six feet of space. Right. But if you go to a place in Tampa, in the thick of Tampa or in, in Miami, forget about it. There's yeah. no, there's none. There's no social distancing. I was in Miami over the weekend and I saw some places that were like that. Yeah. And then there's some places that take it really serious. And luckily one of the places we ate at, um, Adrian fish actually shout out to them. Very well spaced out similar to the places here. So, I don't know what the hell is going to happen, but I'm pretty sure Dana White thought it was gonna, he was going to be um, putting fans in you know, butts and yeah. seats sooner. Yeah, at least at like, the kickoff of next year, we, we thought things were going to be normal. It's like, this can't last a whole entire year, right? And but here well, we are. <laughs> it's crazy because Dana was saying, I just can't wait for 2020 to be over. I just can't wait for 2020 to be over. Somebody has to tell Dana that 2021's not about to start all different. Right. It might go into like half of 2021. Right. Yeah, it's it's gonna be weird, but I think it's a sign like, all right, the big fish are starting to get back out there. You know, if we're starting to get a Connor fight and they're talking about Izzy in March, it's like, okay, cool. Now, and also another thing, um, I don't know if you saw, I added in the notes, we're getting not only Connor, um, I believe it's the. 16th is it or no the 19th i want to say connor is hmm. something 23rd, I 23rd, 23rd and then the 29th or 20 or 30th or whatever the following weekend we have kelvin cater calvin cater versus max holloway I saw that. that's such a good fight back-to-back weekends we that's, get a connor and then a holloway fight no, that's that's like those are really good fights and amazing opponents like those both of those matchups are gonna be. Is that what? What weight is that Holloway Kadar fight? Uh, that's at one one forty five. Yeah, right. they're both right there. You know, winner of that could get a title shot. That's I mean, gonna be amazing. It'd be hard for Max to get a title shot, even if he does win impressively. Because they um, should have gave. I'm still so salty about that. They should have just gave him the. They should have just gave him the victory last time. Yeah, I mean, close as close gets. It's it's hard to say. Um, you're basically saying that the only way a contender can beat a current champion is if they knock him out. And that's BS. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it that much. I think it came down to to the score system. You know, I think a lot of people's argument was Holloway did enough to win, but it was like, yeah, but Volkanovski just had the takedowns and then control. And, you know, that MMA scoring tends to favor, you know, that direction a lot of times. So they it's like... They gotta do something about that. Yeah, yeah, they they need a more efficient point system where where things really do have like point value, you know, like um, a takedown. I understand a takedown counting for points if you actually take them down. Mm-hmm. So that you're punching and kicking, somebody attempts a takedown, and now that person is on their back. That's a takedown. Right. That matters because that doesn't that it does impact the fight. But a takedown where a person like quite literally gets up. One second later should not count. That's not a takedown. Mm-hmm. That's like a distraction. You know right. what I mean? That that's like a clinch almost. Yeah. You know? Well, Holloway dropped Volkanovski um, early in the fight, but it was like a little flash, like 
little I remember like touch it like you know bounce off the ground basically so it's like you know you could argue that in the eyes of a judge well if you're gonna judge it from a grappler's um game plan or a striker's game plan taking you down and then finishing you is the goal so if a grappler can take you down that's about the same as if a striker can drop you but can either one of them finish you on the other side of that? Yes, that's a much higher well, chance. The so thing you, is, yeah, the thing is, if you take somebody down with a punch, <clears throat> there's a higher likelihood. They're in a compensated state. Yeah, there's a higher likelihood that that person could be finished with that same punch. Mm-hmm. Nobody's finished with a takedown. They're finished right. with what happens if it happens after. But Right, and this is where I'm going with that. Is the argument is, though, when it's just, like, a quick flash knockdown like that, when you see, like, Izzerad Asanya against Kelvin Gastelum, mm-hmm. when he got knocked down and, like, catches his butt on the bottom of the right. fence, you know, like, little flash knockdowns like that, where it's like, yeah, you dropped him, but it's like, w- was he really in danger, danger right there? Or did, no. you, did you catch right. that guy, you know? And if you've ever been in sparring and really got caught, and maybe, you know, even if it doesn't sit you all the way down, you know, you can feel like, whoa, or in a fight, you know, you know, like, whoa, I, I was right on the brink there, and it's like, hmm. you know that it's a real fine line of what drops you and what doesn't drop you, so it's like, what is getting caught with one shot, how does that win you a whole 25 minutes, you know, hmm. and I'm not saying that that um, is your argument or anything. No, but, it makes um, sense. It makes sense. I, I, I think if it's that close, I feel like common sense would say, okay, this is me being a fan. You give it to the challenger, that way you mm-hmm. can run the, the three-peat. You can yeah. run the trilogy. Because now there's no justifiable trilogy unless yeah. Max goes on some tear, you know, which he's very capable of. Oh. He's more than capable of beating the next three I, guys decisively. I think Max could very well beat Volkanovski. I, yeah. I think he very well could have in that last fight, depending on how you you see it, you know. Yeah. Looking through it through a fan's eyes, when I just watched it, I thought Max got robbed. But then going back and watching it from, like, a judge perspective, it's like, okay, I could see how they say Volkanovski controlled um, three of those rounds in one. Yeah. So it's like, you know. It's crazy, man, but, but we're excited to see him back. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I love watching him fight. He's and if Ortega beats Volkanovski, that... That changes things up. Volkanovski? Volkanovski and Ortega are getting scheduled to fight now. Why? So so Ortega's Kel- getting a title shot? Yes. When did this happen? Korean Zombie versus Ortega was number one contender. It was? Yes. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, he, no, they, Dana said it. Uh, Volkanovski's already, like, openly talking about no, it. No, 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 hold on. Brian Ortega's last fight before Korean Zombie... Butchered by Holloway. ...was, was getting beat up by the champion decisively. Mm-hmm. He beats Korean Zombie. Yep. Decisively. Decisively. You know, really mop, looked, mop the floor with him. Looked different. Yeah. Like, good different. Yeah. And he's going to now fight the guy that beat the guy that beat him up. Right. I mean, I love Brian Ortega getting a shot because I love Brian Ortega. But mathematically, if you would have given me a multiple choice question and given me names, I would not have guessed they would have given him this title shot so, so soon. The division was in a weird place because you had... You had Cater here who needs like one more kind of. Okay. Um, Max. You have Zabit who oh. kind of needs one more he as needs, well. He needs one more. And it, it, it's like everybody's in this place where they need one more, Zabit and then Max might need two more. Yeah, because he just doesn't fight regularly he enough. He needs two more. And then you have Max who it's like you can't you can't give him and Volkanovski a third one in a row. 
You know, it's like no. I'm I'm all for seeing that fight again. I can't. I'm I'm sure it happens at some point. That's that's one that if Volkanovski stays champion, it has to happen. I think even if later on down the road when they're both you know just taking a, some fun fights, I think we could see that one again. They've just been like split in hairs in their those two matchups. Uh, the first one, I think Volkanovski what a matchup edged him out, but. Um, what an excellent matchup. Yeah, just two, two so, such well-rounded guys, really. Ryan Ortega and Volkanovski, man. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. Because Ortega's got, like, this X factor to him. And, you know, he's got some real dangerous um, tricks up his sleeve. And, mm-hmm. and in his last, his last showing, he looked like he really put it together differently. He has a new camp. And uh, it seems like he's, you know, really at that... Huh. That upper echelon, that elite pedigree now. Um, this is going to be interesting. Yeah, I did not know Ortega was man. I've I've have been so out of the loop. I guess I hasn't come hasn't even come up because I follow all these MMA pages. I haven't seen it. It's already. not. They don't have a date for it or anything. Oh, yet. okay. So it's not official. No, it's oh, not okay. official. But it, that that's what's next. Wow. Yeah. But we've gone a little too long without talking about Conor McGregor. Yeah. And Dustin Poirier. This is a rematch from their fight in two thousand fourteen. From 2014, where Connor finishes Dustin decisively, called Dustin a peahead. Um, Hillbilly from the back arse of nowhere. He said he was from the back arse of nowhere. Probably got a cousin named Cletus. Yes. <laughs> he said he was from the back arse of nowhere while sitting next to Daniel Cormier, who's from the exact same place. And Daniel Cormier was laughing. dying laughing. laughing. <laughs> because Daniel Cormier could probably crush him like a little yeah. bit, like, like an insect. But at the same time, I think Daniel was like, I don't think he knows that I'm from there. Yeah. I don't think Connor would have said that. And Connor, no, because Connor is just, I don't know. He, I think Daniel was genuinely. Because that belly was still laughing. new. That was Connor new. Like, yeah, he was so, still like on the way remember, there. Remember, at first, people thought Connor was this clown because he, think, he's this Irish guy who has the most Irish accent in the world. Yeah. He's so clever. His voice is a little high-pitched, and he's a small guy. At that point, he's fighting at 145 pounds. So people are literally looking at him like he's this jolly (laughs) leprechaun flying around just Uh, saying hilarious things like he's a character out of a movie. Yeah. And so people are fascinated with him laughing at the things he's saying. But then, like... On Connor's way up, I was full hype train. It's amazing. I was like... I I honestly did not get to experience it. Yeah. I, I was not... Connor didn't get me into, you know what got me back into the UFC? Because I was the person that went in phases. I was a big fan in the Matt Hughes, GSP, like, viewed era. Yeah. Frankie Edgar, I was a big fan of Frankie Edgar. When John Jones was coming up, like, when he was really coming up, like, I saw John Jones' first fight. Like, his first UFC fight. When he was coming up, I was hyped. Then, when he was fighting, like, Rampage and them. But what got me back into it for good for good was Nate Diaz and Connor. It was Nate Diaz beating Connor because I was a little bit of a hater because I didn't know much about Connor, right? I just saw that Connor was saying like uh, crazy things, like yeah. outlandish things. And I'm yeah. like, okay, this guy's saying crazy things. He's calling himself a god. And I'm like, all right, who the heck is this guy? And then Nate Diaz, who I was familiar with because I remember him from the promos that they did in the um, UFC Unleashed and things like that, where I just, he looked like he was just such a badass. I'm like, yeah, Nate like Diaz a is going to fight. And I probably saw a viral video of him talking or something like that, like gangster moments of Nate Diaz. I'm like, all right, I'm definitely watching this fight. Didn't buy it. Definitely streamed it. <laughs> um, and I remember screaming in my dorm room with excitement when I saw him choke out Connor. And then I saw the second one and I was like, 
Damn, what a good fight. And I think I started to earn respect for Connor like around then. Yeah. Like because that was that was a very impressive victory. And then he goes on to do what he does. I kind of fade in and out. And then I get back into it again heavy. I kind of faded. This is the first four, you know, four-year run where I've been fully committed because um, I wasn't a diehard. So I don't even know what that venomous cocaine-filled <laughs> heroin experience must have been like for you watching Connor come up. When Connor oh fought Nate, I was like 19. I was <laughs> in this. I don't even. I had like just dropped out of college. I was in this. At my buddy's house, like, this trailer in the fucking back arse of nowhere. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I had $200 on Conor McGregor. Oh. Um, yeah, and I was, like, 19. That's amazing. And, uh, yeah, he lost. And then I went to the gas station. We went to Wawa afterwards, and I got a quesadilla. And uh, bought fire. a $5 scratch-off out of a vending machine. And, um... Uh, Hit for 500 bucks. Oh my god, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wow, thanks, God. Thank you, I needed that uh, yeah. after losing it. So I was just like instantly forgiven for sinning. For sinning. So that was beautiful. That was just like an experience of unconditional love. <laughs> an experience of mercy and grace. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get to experience that. The, the, most, the only time I've ever had a sports experience that must, must be similar to heroin was LeBron in Miami for four years. Hmm. That was... Oh, I was... That was crack. I was a huge LeBron fan, like, his whole career. So when he went to Miami, I was super hyped because I was also, like, a huge... D-Wade was, like, my oh, he's the hometown favorite player. But then LeBron was just, like, you know, he was just, like, the poster boy of the NBA of my, like... I, st- I still call D Wade the greatest Heat player. Oh no doubt. Yeah, I still call no him doubt. The greatest heat even, no even doubt. Even though LeBron had the greatest four years of basketball of his career in Miami, D Wade is still the greatest Heat. LeBron player. was the supercharger that you know won them the race. Don't get it wrong, but D Wade was the engine. You know, like yeah. D Wade was the engine of that car. Without that was... D Wade, that whole entire thing doesn't happen. Right, does, like... does not happen because D Wade bailed out LeBron and Bosh on many occasions. And let's not get it twisted. Jack jumped ship from Kobe to go win a title with D-Wade, too, in the past. So that just shows D-Wade's greatness. Oh, yeah. without Multiple a times, people went to go team up with D-Wade and were successful. Dwayne Wade, because Dwayne Wade was the probably the top. First of all, he's, in my opinion, the third best shooting guard of all time. And I would even tie him for second with Kobe. Hmm. Because what Kobe had... Remember that D Wade. Listen, remember that's hold on. But I, I'm gonna explain it. Remember D Wade. D Wade's career. Bro, I love D Wade. Hold on, that me, literally is not on. sitting well with me, bro. Hold on, let me finish it. Bro, I can't. Bro, bro, you I don't want to wanna hit you in your house, bro. bro. You have to, bro. I stand by it. You have to. You factor. just hide D Wade with Kobe. You, I'll be right back. I hope you're getting a gun. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I'm shook. You have the right to bear arms in your own home. So you know it's not bias. <laughs> Listen, what I'm about to say is very important. Dwayne Wade experienced what Kobe did not experience till way later in his career, which was debilitating injuries. If Dwayne Wade would never have hurt his hip, would never have hurt his knee. 
And remember, he had a shoulder injury, I don't know if you remember, against the Houston Rockets the year after the title, where he just completely separated his shoulder. He was out that whole year. That was when we went, we had like yeah. a terrible 15-win season. Here's the only thing that Kobe was needs a better be, shooter. Literally the only thing that needs said. Because they're so similar, except Kobe just had that element where Kobe he... Kobe had pure jump shot. He could just take the game over and vomit offense and just make up for everything. Specifically jump shooting, because D-Wade used to do the same. D-Wade took games over in a way not even LeBron 100%. Did. And then D-Wade D-Wade had magical just, moments. D-Wade just as good a closer, in my opinion. I think... I don't put him over Kobe. If I'm doing anything, I'm tying them. Right. I'm never going to put him over Kobe because Kobe has the rings and Kobe did it longer. Right. That's the thing. Kobe just... Kobe just had that body of work that was just like... So many seasons of just dominance and titles. There was a titles. three or four year period where Kobe was the greatest person to ever play basketball. Even greater than Jordan. I think Dwayne Wade could possibly be a better talent. Like, I think well, Kobe just was the greatest. You two-way know, like, player, I think. I think D- Kobe was an amazing defender. But I think D-Wade was a great passer. He was a great rebounder. He was a great... Um, Shot blocker at his mm-hmm. height actually has the most shots blocked under 6'4. Uh, great defender, and obviously, I mean, one of the greatest scorers of all mm-hmm. time, creative scorers as well. I think what really did D Wade in was injuries and the fact that he had to play a backseat for the majority of his prime. To and LeBron, you think? Yes. He played the back. He, he, after 2010, when, wow, we're talking about a lot of Miami sports. After after 2010, look, after 2010, it's amazing. After 2010, when we lost to Dallas, like, it was all over the news that LeBron and D-Wade officially agreed that it was LeBron's team. So LeBron was, it was his team now. D-Wade took a backseat to LeBron. And Kobe never would have done that. He never would have done that, but that's because Kobe needs to be the alpha of the team. And he won more rings. He won more rings, 100%. I, I, that's why. And his second run of rings, Pau Gasol was his number two. And D-Wade had LeBron as his number one. Well, they, no, that was trail end. So trail end of... Remember, LeBron was only there four years. They went four times. They lost twice. The first loss is inexplicable to this day, yeah. statistically. It makes no sense. Yeah. It was just LeBron wetting the bed. Yeah. Because LeBron had a game where he scored eight points yeah. in the finals. Yeah. The final loss makes a lot of sense. D-Wade was already suffering from injuries that he had to go overseas to fix. Right. You know, Chris Bosh was also suffering injuries and LeBron was kind of checked out. Mm-hmm. Already going to go home. And you had the Spurs who had a Kawhi who wasn't even Kawhi yet. Right. He was the fourth best player on that team. Yeah. That... So there was a lot going on there. Like Kobe... I'm, if I just look at the talents themselves, Kobe had the better shot, and Kobe had a period of time there where no human being could could ever do what Kobe did during that time in terms of... I think Kobe Bryant had a work ethic. I think the greatest if, of all time. I think if you would have just put hours that they worked in their career, Kobe's would be so much greater that it would be like, oh, okay, that's why he's better oh, I, than I, I think Kobe is... And artist. it's nothing against D-Wade. Like I said, I... I had those like D Wade stretchy covers for my textbooks. They were like wrapped in oh, D Wade dunking. Yeah, I had, I had, I think you and I had the same one. <laughs> oh my gosh, bro, we have a lot of similar childhood. Yeah. You're a Dolphins fan. 
That doesn't that defies logic because yeah. they weren't good. They sucked. Right. And then the Heat, D Wade. Like D Wade was like my growing up. My I had his shoes. Like I wanted so bad. Oh yeah. Like oh, I had the D Wade oh. shoes. Once he went to the weird Asian company. Yeah, I, no, I had the Converse. Yeah. Yeah. OG yeah. style only. Yeah, those Converse D Wades. I, I just feel like there's an argument to be had there. Like if you really think about it, like even even in terms of just overall, if D Wade would have had the spotlight and bit have been the, the sole player, the sole offensive producer, I feel like his numbers would have been. He would have had at least no because he had like there was a couple years where him and LeBron were constantly dueling. I remember as a kid because I was a huge D Wade and LeBron fan, and they were always dueling for like who was gonna lead the league in points. And I remember it would like literally like on a game to game basis they would like overtake each other. What's that? Not while they were on the same. team. No, not while they were on the same team. Before that, D Wade used to always win those head to heads. And I think that he had the platform, and yeah, he for sure won the head-to-heads. LeBron, I think, was still like from two thousand five you know, in his infancy in terms of greatness at that point. Yeah, two thousand five to two thousand nine, it was Dwayne Wade's team. Yeah, and nobody else's second best player at any given time was. You had your Jermaine O'Neal's thrown in there. You had your Shaqs, but he never had a real Robin. Right. Um, then LeBron comes through. Then you have four years where LeBron's the best player. Bosh, a lot of distribution where Wade's not getting all the touches anymore. Then you have post-LeBron era Wade, who now is dealing with all the injuries suffered, um, specifically his knee, def- definitely has taken a down step, mm-hmm. and then he goes away to another team where he can never find it, and then he comes back, and by then he's, he's too old. So I feel like those four years of his prime, if it would have just been like a team like, like how Harden has the Rockets and it's just him, and maybe he has like a lesser player. They're about to ship him, bro. He's about to go join the Nets. He just turned. He just turned down. Do you know? Did you see the money he turned down? No. They offered him two years, one hundred and seven million. Yes. And he said no. You heard that right. He said no to two years. Like that's fifty million plus per year. No thanks. I know what you're asking. What does this have to do with MMA? And I'm gonna tell you. Actually, Joey's gonna tell you. After this break, <laughs> <laughs> we should we should add some commercial breaks yeah, to this. Just download commercials from well, the. What internet. else is there to talk about? Conor McGregor's gonna come back. Look, I don't think, I think people because we were talking about uh, Khabib and I'm sorry, we were talking about Dustin and um, Conor, and then we were talking about Conor's rise, and then we talked about heroin, and then I talked about the heat and from 2010 to 2014 being equivalent to heroin. Um, I miss it so much. Yeah. Although we're coming back to that, baby. Tyler Hero. Um, <laughs> we're going to get Giannis. You saw that? Wow. We might. We might get Giannis. We'll see. Anyway. Um, back to Miami sports. <laughs> back to Miami sports. Um, Dana said something interesting uh, this week after the Contender Series, saying the, that they're planning to be back next summer with Contender. But what he yeah. said that was interesting was he was like, hopefully because the talent – isn't hasn't been circulating as much because a lot of these smaller shows have been suffering due to COVID. Um, and he was saying, you know, maybe we'll have to sign some more of these shows to air on um, Fight, Pass. Fight Pass. So, you know, not really a huge topic there, but I thought that was just kind of, you know, pretty revealing for Dana to just say on air um, in one of those little backstage interviews. But... Um, so he went off on Bob Arum? Yeah, I... I didn't he just hear started that. cussing him out. 
Bob Arum said that he lost a lot of money on Terrence Crawford or something like that. He was like, do you know how much money I've lost on Terrence Crawford? I would have had a house. And, and Dana was basically saying, you're the promoter. It's your job to promote him. It's your job to pay him. Why are you complaining about paying your fighter? And then he just started calling him all sorts of names. It was great. <laughs> he was so pink. Yeah. Dana. Dana really knows how to verbally attack someone. Yeah. He's really good at that. Yeah. Who's the greatest verbal attacker in UFC history? Dana has to be up there, but, but would, would Conor McGregor be like the number one? Just somebody mm-hmm. who can just attack somebody. Yeah, I mean, Colby just blindly like. Should we do attacks. who's the worst at attacking people? Is that easier? Because. The worst of attacking. Well, then the who would worst? that be? Like Sage Northcutt? Yeah, Ryan Hall. <laughs> yeah. Remember when Ryan Hall like apologized for trash talking? Yeah. He was like, I felt like I had to do that to get this fight, but I don't. I didn't really like it. He's calling out the Korean zombie now. Saw that. That's that's fun. Very fun. Yeah. They should just grapple the whole time. Yeah. Just tap hands and butt scoot. Yeah, Korean zombie's a tenth planet guy. He doesn't want that smoke. So though. that would be weirdness. Though. He does not want that smoke, though. Yeah, Ryan. Ryan Hall. I think Ryan Hall is is going to win a championship doing one move. A Ryan Ryan Hall getting in the strap would be crazy. He's yeah, he's forty five still. Because um, then people would have <laughs> what he's. Oh, I thought you said he was forty five years nah, old. No, one forty five. But he if he got the strap, people would have to fight him. That means he'd have to beat Volkanovski though. Yeah, but he's gonna do this. He's just gonna Imanari roll into Volkanovski, <laughs> and Volkanovski's legs are not hard to find. You know, he's yeah. a small guy. Yeah. Big giant legs, a lot of bone, a lot of of heel to hook. Right. You yeah. No, that that would make it way easier. It wouldn't, right? <laughs> <laughs> if, if his legs were bigger, it would make it harder, right? Yeah, probably, because he. Mm. Could just kind of power through it. That's not true though. Have you ever tried rip, like you have like a chicken wing? When there's more meat on it, the bones are bigger, mm-hmm. and so you can like break it easier. When it's like really small, um, it's harder. You ever had that happen? And it, if there's a it's lot of sauce, it gets yeah, yeah, slippery. Yeah. Anyways, back to Miami sports. <laughs> back to Miami sports. Um, I, it's interesting. We're talking about Tua now, because there's a guy. Who had a serious injury to his hip. Mm-hmm. Speaking of hips, do you think I can hip throw Tua? You're questioning Tua's takedown defense? Wearing two Miami jerseys? This yes. is blasphemy. You're going to question Tua's takedown defense right now? Hmm. He does. He, he does. His job is to avoid getting taken right. down. So basically what you're saying is that I... Am worse at taking somebody down than Aaron Donald. Hmm. Yeah, that. Could we? Because he took Tua down. Could somebody pull up a picture of Aaron Donald? Aaron Donald's like the size of this wall. Aaron Donald is a specimen. Yeah, he's he's literally the width of this wall. If he His was standing, body doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like this guy, uh, DK Metcalf too. His yeah. body doesn't make sense. Yeah. Hey, I can hip throw. Hmm. Good day. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we'll get back to that later in the show. Okay. Um, what do you think about Davidson Figueredo? Um, the scariest he is 125 scary. pounder uh, not, of not, all time. Not the greatest of trash talk, uh, but, but, but scary. What do you think about his trash we talk? We might be doing a language barrier thing here, but 
You um, don't like his just I, I didn't, absurd no, I aggression? Didn't dislike it. I didn't dislike it. His I just, just thought it was blinder. funny. That was hilarious. <laughs> Who was he calling out? Cody? said something about Cody. He Did you see the video? He just pops into frame and just starts talking. No. He literally just like pops into frame and then just starts like talking crap. But like, it wasn't... Well said. I've only really seen him in like the embeddeds and the countdown oh. and stuff. Yeah, he's a scary individual, man. He I just mean, keeps referring to his uh, opponent Alex Perez as prey and how he has no hope and just how he's damn. a vicious predator and he's going to like murder him and just like very very aggressive dominant speech. Um, and just judging by the way he treated Joseph Benavidez in their two matchups, you know, I'm I'm real nervous about this one. Um, Alex Perez, I haven't seen a ton of him. I know he came from Contender Series. He's the first Contender Series fighter to fight for a title, so that's pretty cool. Um, just goes good name, to... Alex. Alex, there you go. Um, yeah. So that that's it. Alex is gonna win by hip throw. <laughs> um, so let's uh, talk a little bit about. Um, I started that sentence, but I didn't have anything. Okay. Let's... Well, I think Figueredo, um, yeah, I just see a murder on the horizon. Oof. I think his right hand, it just comes down the pipe with just absolutely no fat. Just douche. Like, he just, it's insane. I think that his jiu-jitsu is lethal as well, and Perez is just... Not ready for it. He's like uh, Cheeto Vera's little brother in the training room, kind of. Cheeto Vera is like, you know, mm. above him in, in their rooms. That, that's kind of the vibe I was getting from seeing some of the videos. So it's <clears> like, I don't know, this Figueredo guy is just, he's in a different place, I feel. Do you believe that uh, fighters or people who try to carry themselves as alphas um, legitimately... Uh, that that legitimately benefits them in these type of things? Um, I think it's, I think there's some of it to them. And then when you just put a camera on somebody and, you know, prop them all up and you have like this big high profile thing, like, and you're on this countdown show, like you're not going to just say what you would normally say all the time. What are you going to do? Just have a boring conversation? Oh, no, no. I, I just mean in general, like the people talk about alpha males and beta mm -hmm. males. But is it more like a spectrum? Because look at a guy like Nate Diaz. Would you call him an alpha male? Um, mm, in ways, yeah. He's kind of like a, you know. But you wouldn't call him. He's defensive, though, all the time. You know, like, I, I don't know. It's weird. Um, you couldn't call someone like Nate Diaz, though, a beta male. Because right. when we think of a beta male, we think of somebody who is... Submissive. Who takes... Who takes who will take offense, take insults, and not, not stand up for themselves. Mm -hmm. When I think when people throw that term towards people, they're usually talking about somebody who is, who is weak. Who, who, but, but my thing is, like somebody like Nate Diaz is not an alpha male, but he's still a badass. So I don't think it's like, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's like just, I don't think it's a duality of there are alpha male characters and then there are beta male characters. No, no, I, I don't think so either. I think there's more layers to it than that. And I think that um, where I was going with that whole once you're on these countdown shows and whatnot is I think you just see these people kind of turn up the brightness on their character. And I think that, you know, like 
you know, Nate is kind of uh, protected in a way. I don't know. Like, just these guys, when you put them on camera, they just kind of exaggerate who they already are, kind yeah. of, in a way. Um, but forget about the camera just in general. Like, just in life. Like, what do I think that they are like? Like, what do you think the concept, like, people who, who so, like, people who desperately want to portray themselves as alphas, mm-hmm. they, they glamorize the notion of being an alpha. Yeah. Like, that's, they, they never want to do anything that would be considered beta. Mm. One, is that even possible? And two, what are they measuring that by? I don't know. Like, for me, it's, like, dominance. Like, if... Mm. if but, like, for me, I want to be dominant in a way of, like, results. Like, I don't really want to be dominant. Like, and that's how I want to assert myself in fighting is, like, with results and, like, separating myself from my competition and stuff like that. Like, I don't necessarily want to... Oh, like, the alpha in a room is the one who's doing the best. Right. Okay. Um. So, it's, like, and some of that might not be all the alpha, like, the most alpha... I, I don't know. Like, you see a guy like George St. Pierre, for example, you know, and it's like, he kind of asserted himself as the alpha of his division if you look at it in just like a primate 100%, pecking order, you 100%. know? Um, so it's like, there's a guy who, um, yeah, has established the alpha presence. It takes longer if you're not like going around puffing your chest out. You know, like Conor McGregor, it was really easy for him to kind of establish himself as an alpha. He didn't have to beat as many guys because he was screaming, I'm the alpha, basically, the whole time. Whereas you have like the more martial artist guys, they have to win more to like Hmm. earn that like reverence from the people around them. I I don't know. I I mean, I think results determine that. It's like, uh, it's a meritocracy like in in jujitsu. You know, you could say all the things you want. You can be very, you know, assertive in the way you talk to people, but, like, your performance is what indicates your pecking order in the room. Mm-hmm. Who you are as an actual jujitsu player is what right. determines where you are. If you're a white belt, when you're in the gym, you're a white belt. doesn't matter if you're a CEO of a Fortune 500 company or if you're homeless. Mm-hmm. You're a white belt, or if you're a blue belt, vice versa. If you're a blue belt, you're probably not there. If you're a purple belt, you're there less, and then for some reason, brown belts and black belts exist even though all the blue belts quit. I don't, yeah. I don't, know. I don't know how that happens. Uh, but anyway, my thing is like, from, from a psychological perspective, the notion of being an alpha, I understand what you're saying. You want to be dominant in your field and you want to separate yourself from the pack of competitors by winning. Like, mm-hmm. by just winning. Like you By win, dominating. Them. You win, they lose. You're dominating in this field. Everybody's trying to dominate this field. You're dominating it better. Mm-hmm. But like, People who translate that into their life, and they want to take that approach to everything. I mean, that seems to me like that kind of mentality is is um, counterintuitive. Yeah, it's very. It seems very tiring. <laughs> yeah, like, like why do you always want like it's always life, a pissing contest? Yeah, to like, me, life is more of a making sure I'm doing what's right. You know, for me, because it's like I, I don't have a lot of control over a. a a ton that happens in this world, you know, like I try and do what's right for me and the people around me, you know? So it's like, I'm not really, um, in the mindset of like, I need to assert myself on, uh, this room that I just walked into and establish myself as the alpha here. You know, there are people who, but there are people who do this. Yeah. 
they think that when they walk into a room, they have to do I this. I think the sad thing is a lot of them, it's like almost unconscious though too. Like it's okay. almost an insecurity in an yes. unconscious way being expressed. And then they just, then they just try to compete with everybody. It's mm. like, that's like, how do, how do people maintain friendships? When they have this mentality that they have to be better than, than you. Like they just have yeah. to be better than you. Because really there's no such thing as an alpha. They don't exist because everybody's better than everybody at something. Right. Everybody can make another person look stupid and feel small. Right. If you and I walked into, I have a friend who, um, who I believe, um, who, who was at the University of California, I believe, or Cal Berkeley. Um, and he's a scientist. He actually does jujitsu. Um, if I walked into his room and started talking to his friends about what they do, I'd feel like a complete idiot, right? Right. I'm sure if like he walks into a room where we're talking about something I'm very proficient in, I can make him feel like an inferior person. Mm -hmm. But I feel like all these things, these alpha things, these games, it's just a way for people to like deal with the reality of the fact that they're mortal beings with weaknesses. Yeah. And they have to create this imaginary world in which they are some sort of legend, that they're some sort of, you know, that they, that they're inhuman in that way. And the, the reality of our, like, of our, of our, um, of our flawedness and of our weakness is something they never actually deal with directly. So then they actually never actually conquer that part of them. So really the most beta thing a person can do is never, is always try to be an alpha because they're just ignoring the harder Hmm. discussion within them, which is. How do I deal with failure and embarrassment? Right, which goes back to what I was saying is that I think it's like an unconscious expression yeah. of insecurity. You know, I think it, it loops back around to it's, you know, uh, this thing where you're externalizing what should have been internalized because it's like, you know, the things that you're saying, it's like, you're like, how could they, this, that, and the other? And it's like, I could un- I understand it because in ways I kind of align with the alpha things you're saying. Like you're saying you like the assert yourself, and it's like yeah, but at the same time I kind of want to do the same thing like in my field, you know. So it's like I get that in ways like having desires for those those types of things to achieve those things. Um, well, you have to. Right. You can't be successful in your field without... Right. You have to assert yourself. Right. You can't win half your MMA fights and make a living. Well, you, can't, you can't just go into it with half a mentality. You'll just... You, you'll die. Right. So Life and death. Yeah. And the, the mindset is so huge. So you have to have that mindset of wanting to be the best if you want to, you know... But do you take that in relationships? Like, do you, do you try... Do you get into pissing contests with people about subjects unrelated to fighting? I try not to. But d- there's a little party that does. Because sure. you're naturally competitive, yeah. too. Because your personality, yeah. like, I don't know if anybody does the Enneagram, but you're a three. Yeah. And you guys are incredibly competitive. Yeah. So, like, you, you, somebody would be talking about shoes, for example. Are you a shoe head? Or no, you, I'm not. So you're I, not a sneaker head? No, I... So you see, won't... Because I'm not... Will you even fake it? Will you be like... like will, you, will you try to go... You see me, bro. I, I show up in flip-flops every day because, like, anything I, I get into... That. I, I get into, you know, or so like, you go down like if I were to get into sneakers, I'd be on there looking for like all the the newest drop, the this, the that, <laughs> you know, like I'd be in it and it's like, 
I'm not trying to spend $500 a month on oh sneakers. Gosh, it's crazy. You know, it's like... Sneakers are too expensive. Yeah, I spend $500 a month on training. Like, I, I'm not trying to spend $500 on sneakers. Mm. It's like, I'll just wear some flip-flops. So, I, I know that I have that to me. Like, that, that needing that edge. Um, so, I try and just, like, apply it to my day-to-day. And, mm. like, let, that's why I said that they um, externalize that. Those people that need that that um that alpha um they they need that they need to project that onto the people around them to try and assert assert that you know project that um but i kind of hold myself to a standard of that you know where it's like i want to do everything the best i can and it's not necessarily like i want to do it better than you i just want to do it perfect and if you do it better than me then i'm going to be like hey how'd you do that you know, and then I'm going to try and like learn how to do it better. And if I'm not doing it the best in the room, then I'm going to be there learning from the best in the room. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily want to be the alpha, but I just want to be the best, you know? So if I'm not the best, I'm going to be right there, like learning from the best. So yeah, you have that drive. Yeah. But that's like a mamba mentality, you know, taking it back to Kobe. That's like a, um, a competitive drive to be the best. I don't know if that's the same thing. No, it's definitely different. Right. Because it's internalized. You know, it's coming from a sustainable place where I'm not trying to, like, prove that I'm better than you. You know, like, when we spar, we can just spar and have fun and try things out and stuff because we're not out there trying to knock each other out on the pavement. Like, you don't even have to think about that. You can just try a different combo or something. It's also if you, like, you also have lost. So, mm-hmm. like, you, you would not be able to sustain a confidence in yourself or a, a sanity if you were so desperately averse to losing. I know you hate losing. Everybody does. Right. Who doesn't? But some people deal with losses better. Mm-hmm. Some people catastrophize their losses as, like, literally themselves. Yeah. Something, uh, a knock on who they are as people. Um, I assume you don't do that. You don't seem like a person that does that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you do jujitsu. You lose every day. Um, so, like, that's... A, that type of I'm talk think of the most unhealthy example of somebody like Colby Covington mm. is playing an alpha character. Yeah. In his mind, he's doing there's people who think and act like Colby Covington. Mm-hmm. Colby Covington is not a caricature of a person. Colby Covington is a caricature of himself. Yeah. But there I know people We've all who, gone to school with a Cody Garbrandt. Yes. This these are people who cannot accept. Perfect example. This is a person who could not accept not having the last word. Or not, you know what I mean? Always, yeah. and you literally saw it like three straight times go poorly for him. Mm-hmm. And he changes, you know, changes his um, his outlook on it a little bit, at least in the way he fought. Yeah, fought a little more technical, a little more self confident, a little yeah. less angry. Um, but there's a perfect example of somebody who is always trying to be dominant in interactions. Yeah. It's one thing to be dominant in your field, but to always try to dominate interactions. Socially, yeah. Yeah, people people try to do that. People, yeah, people that's think the tiring to, part is when you bring it into like every room with you and now it's like there's a pecking order in this room. It's like, no, 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 no. No, there's not. Most people aren't even thinking about that. Right. <laughs> like, like, it's not real. If you're not in a sport or something that is like based off of your performance, like if you're not in a competitive field... There's not no room for that. Even in like an artistic space, there's no room for that. You I've know? never once thought while walking into a room, I need to dominate this room. Yeah. 
and maybe that's just my personality, but I've never once had that thought because anybody could be dominant in any room if they somehow guide the conversation toward whatever they're dominant at. Right. Sure, if you walk into a room of, you know, chess masters and you're talking about fighting, they're going to look at you like you're a unicorn, mm -hmm. but you're not going to play chess with them. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It's like there's levels to everybody's little niche. For sure. But people like that, I feel like, I don't know why I got into this conversation. It just, it just, it just, no, I mean, it was, it intrigued a good me. Conversation. It intrigued me because <clears throat> it makes me think a lot of people probably always want to guide conversations to where they're strongest. It's something that in, in psychology, um, men, when they feel inadequate, they go to what they know. This is very common in men. Mm -hmm. So you, you might find um, men struggling in their, you know, getting into an argument with your wife or if a guy, you know, you ever seen a guy is in a group, okay, there's women and guys there, everybody's there, and he's trying to do something, like, like he's trying, and usually this happens with like a dad with like his wife and like a group of people, and he's trying to like do something technical. Maybe he's trying to like fix his TV, but he mm -hmm. keeps botching it. You ever see somebody slowly devolve into madness and shame in front of her? You've seen this, right? Yeah. They don't take it on the chin because that feeling of inadequacy of like not being able to do something for some reason like triggers um, some people, and this happens a lot with men, and oftentimes a way to soothe that is to go to something you're really good at and just feel competent for a second. Mm -hmm. I mean, often oftentimes incompetency makes us feel stupid, but really everybody's incompetent at something. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? That's why the whole thing of guys not, not asking for directions. You know, I never understood that because yeah. I grew up, you know, I we grew up in a time where we had GPS for the majority of our life, but there was a time that we had to print out MapQuest and do that. We didn't know how yeah, to Yeah, you used to have to pull over at gas stations and ask people yeah. like, hey, how do I get on yeah, 75 I, from here? How do I do this? And traditional masculinity, I would say, would, would call that like not having a good sense of direction. But really, who the hell has a good sense of direction? Yeah. Like in a modern, you know what I mean? Like we're not in the woods. Mm -hmm. I remember one time I was actually in the woods and my sense of direction came up and I'm like, I think the only reason this happened is because I needed to survive. Otherwise I would have died. Yeah. I just had to like remember things in the sky as like, okay, that was over here. So this must be here. I got a pretty good sense of direction in the woods. In the woods? Yeah. Cause you kind of figure, you kind of have to, like you have to, Yeah. you have to go to a place where you, it's like, uh, and like in training, like nobody knows really what their limit is until they reach it and go a little bit beyond it. But like on the regular day, they're not going to, you're never going to show the strain and effort of one and a half hours into your workout when you just started it because right. it hasn't been pulled out of you. Right. Um, but I don't know. I just, I find it interesting. I know fighters, cause you're a fighter, you know, and I, I do jujitsu, but I'm not a fighter. Um, I feel like you always have to present yourself as alphas. And everything you say always has to be invulnerable, without insecurity, completely lacking in weakness and doubt. Yeah. But that's not indicative of what you think and feel on a regular basis, unless you've managed to either healthily or unhealthily distract yourself from thinking those thoughts. No, I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not like this person that like if I have a fearful thought, like it throws my whole mental space off and stuff. Like I know that people have crazy thoughts and like, I don't know, I, I've also done like a lot of meditation too. So like mm. that gets you more in that observer place where you realize like, oh, we have thoughts and they, they aren't just like our absolute just manifestation of who we are as a, mm. as a being, you know? So it's like, 
a lot of people, I think, when they have these insecure thoughts pop up or nervous thoughts, it's like, yeah, you're supposed to be thinking about what happens if you step on this trap when you when you're walking through a dangerous territory you know like that's an instinctive thing that you should have walking through enemy territory you know and it's like going into a fight you should be fearful of this or that you know when you you're walking into a lion's den you should be creeping in on your toes you know so it's like certain fears and whatnot are like um it's heightening awareness and i think that like john jones says when you get the butterflies a lot of people like shun them away or bottle them up and he gets them to fly in formation. So I think it, you know, and GSP talks about how scared he gets. And for me, it's like, I think that nervousness that people call it or anxiety for me, it's like heightened awareness. Like I feel like a primal awareness coming upon me and it's like, okay, this like buzz that I'm getting right now, like this means that it's time. Like this means that like, the reason I'm thinking about what happens if I get knocked out is because I might get knocked out right now. So that means that I'm going to have to dodge these punches before I can even see these punches coming. So like when I watch my fights, it's like, Oh dang, I didn't even remember slipping that front kick. That thing would have knocked me out if it hit me. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, but if I would have been thinking that in that moment, I would have got knocked out by that front kick, but I was already scared before that. So I didn't have to experience it because I was in this heightened state because I was scared. You know, but you don't have time to think. You're just reacting. Right. You're, just, you're in yeah. that like fight or flight state. You Sometimes know? it's good to just do something you're very afraid of without thinking about it. Like forcing yourself to put yourself in a position where you have to commit to it. If you're never scared, you can never be brave. And I'd rather be brave That's than a bully. You know, if point. you've never had to be brave, then you're just a bully. So it's like, Facts. I would rather be a brave fighter. I want to be a courageous fighter. You know, like I want to... I want to have to overcome obstacles. I want to, like my amateur career, I was always fighting dudes like 10 years older than me with experience and stuff. Like I, I was fighting people that were going to give me a, a push. I wasn't just trying to fight a bunch of 20 year olds around here, you know? And it's like, I want to fight guys who have seen different things. And, you know, I think that, um, yeah, there's something to that. Having to be brave, you have to be scared first. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's an interaction with fear. The fear is not there, then you're you're not really doing anything that that requires courage or bravery. Right, you're just and, doing something. And nobody is immortal, so it's like at that point, if you're never scared, then you're probably just delusional. Definitely delusional. So it's like the person that says they they don't fear anything is a liar. Right. Or no, promoting a fight. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I'm not scared of anything, and I have people who say I have no regrets. They're all liars. Yeah. Now, there's, it's one thing to say that I wouldn't go back and change it. Yeah, I wouldn't take anything back. Because obviously, whatever. you know that your life is accumulation of your... Right. But everybody has regrets. Right. Like, you've never done anything you've regretted. You've never offended someone. You've never cursed somebody out. Right. You've never made a huge fatal mistake. You've never committed an immoral act. Everybody has regrets. People who always want to paint themselves... Like, I hate this fake... People want to portray themselves as these invulnerable characters that don't have any sort of like attachment to like any self-doubt or any self-consciousness. Like, bro, people who look up to you do. So you're portraying an unrealistic humanity to them, an unrealistic uh, path to greatness. You're basically mm-hmm. saying you have to you have to be without weakness to be great. Yeah. I, and I think that's who don't do that. That's a shortcoming of boxing is mm. they have like such great pressure of this. Like, you know, a loss in boxing is, like, so crazy. And it's, like, in MMA, 
you know, just recently, um, who was it? Somebody w was just impressing me. Oh, Darren Till and Robert Whitaker. Both of them are like very impressive in defeat. Um, and just how they still maintain their own character and mm. interviews and whatnot, and they don't really get shaken, and they pretty much openly talk about the things they dealt with going through the losses and whatnot, and I was like, you know, wow, that's really cool, because these guys are still huge fan favorites in the sport, and um, here they are, like, getting right back to it, and um, it's like in boxing, I feel like it's a little different, and... Um, yeah, I just really love that in MMA where we can see people go through losses and, and peaks and valleys of their career and just see them for what they are, peaks and valleys, you know? Like, like life, like that's how life is. Like, right. There's no such thing as being undefeated right. in life. Nobody's undefeated in life. So having a, a O on your sports record, that might make you feel like undefeated or invulnerable, but you're not invulnerable. You've been hurt before. You have the capacity to be hurt. Mm -hmm. And you could... Another person could kill you. I feel like every every fighter should think to themselves, somebody could kill me with their bare hands. Yeah. Like somebody really could if if there's somebody out there who's better than me at at certain things that if they got me in this position, they could kill me. Mm -hmm. They could actually take my life. Or somebody with more of an inner savage who doesn't have any who doesn't care, who's lost all, you know, you know, who's lost all will to live could stab and shoot me or whatever. I could always be humbled like a little mm -hmm. child to somebody else. Like to just realize I'm there's this like sports in general and you know people have people can give themselves this grandiose sense of accomplishment because you accomplish great things obviously you're going to think greatly of yourself but like with fighting in particular the inability to take losses well Deontay Wilder is the first person I think of. Oh my goodness. That's the... Oh my goodness. To be a guy so dominant for so long, and to be a guy that everybody calls humble. Which yeah. I, the first time I heard Deontay Wilder talk, I told you this. I'm like, whoever thinks Deontay Wilder is humble is falling for his own marketing. Deontay Wilder is so humble that he'll tell you about it. Yeah. What have you ever heard of that? Like, yeah. he's so humble he admits it. Nobody, nobody yeah. who's humble says they're humble. People who are humble are genuine people that other people then say, wow, this person could talk about all these things, but he doesn't. Deontay Wilder's not that way. Yeah. All Deontay Wilder does is talk about himself. And he loses to a guy twice, in my opinion, and he literally can't pick an excuse as to why. He has like four different... Didn't he have like three different excuses? Oh my God, no. It's running the muck at this point. <laughs> it, 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 something is corner... Like he said his own corner poisoned him or something. Ugh. Like... It started getting crazy. He, I think he fired like his whole his whole coaching staff, and is now like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. God it's a delusion. Bless him. It's a delusion. For sure, for sure. He got exposed, and he can't accept the fact that Santa isn't real. Like right. his whole reality, his whole paradigm is like, he he's just like trying to say anything to like make it, you know, make it stay. But it's like, it's just not the case and yeah it's hard because it's like you you see his fight and it's like this didn't go to the scorecards or nothing man you you got you got beat to the ground by tyson fury like, he ate your blood yeah like how, how are you gonna give 18 different excuses tyson you fury got beat him soundly yeah you got finished handedly like you think was, you think i could hip throw deontay wilder um, this is taking you very long. 
I'm just calculating right here. Because I know he has a, a lot of variables that can affect his performance. So I'm trying... Like, and What I'm, does that mean? I'm just, you know, I like Rain Man math going on right now. Okay. Um, I want to make sure that... I have a lot of you, questions. Whatever you say has to be accurate. So I'm going to let you do whatever pro internal mathematical processes yeah. you have to do mm. um, to get to the right answer. Okay. So I'm going to let you do that. What, what are you wearing? Mm. Mm. Clothes, maybe some jeans. Jeans. Tank top. Jeans and tank top. I don't wear tank tops. Um, I don't like tank tops. Okay. Fun fact about me, I don't like tank tops. I wear a shirt underneath a tank top, but I don't like a tank top by itself. I feel vulnerable. Really? I'm not a fan of that. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think I should apologize for that. No. Uh, T-shirt, probably, you know? T-shirt, maybe? I don't like tank tops either. Hmm. Are we beta males? Dude, we might be. <laughs> I'm pretty sure tank tops... I don't think any. I don't think beta males wear tank tops. No, so no way. That by transitive properties, we're beta males. Um, answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> you see this? Uh, what I got to deal with? He's trying to run away from the question. Why is it so long? Why does it take you so long to answer this? Because I'm. A I'm thoroughly bothered right now. We've been through this. This is Deontay Wilder. He's not an MMA fighter. I know, but I'm just thinking like. He's athletic, he's long. I'm not, also, I'm, so I'm not athletic, and I'm not long. <laughs> That's incredible. He says these things to my face. What does he say behind my back? You basically just called me. So essentially, let me get this straight. Let me, let me run down this. So, uh, Deontay Wilder is athletic and long. I'm short, fat, ugly, smelly. And useless. Okay. So I'm, I'm sure fat, useless. You ugly. said it, not me. You said ugly and smelly. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't even thinking about ugly. Oh my god! I, I wasn't even thinking about ugly. Oh you dropped god. ugly and smelly. No. Smelly. Buzz. You didn't tell me. You didn't Dude. tell me I smelled bad. No, I didn't even say that. <laughs> they literally have it on video. They can go back and see that you called me smelly and ugly. Smelly, like smelly, is like a third grade insult. Yeah. You backed me into a corner. I did. I did it. I, I, I've asked you such a simple <laughs> question. Can I hip throw Deontay Wilder? Do you understand? That is a yes or no answer. And you're, you're making it a corner. <laughs> when did that question necessitate you calling me smelly? I'm sorry about that. I don't know what to say. I mean, I'm hurt. But, I mean, I have to forgive you. You know? I think we should get a mediator. I mean, Buzz is not going to... Buzz, Buzz has his... Buzz literally smiles at everything we say. So if you say, Buzz, do you think... Hey, Buzz, can I hip throw Deontay Wilder? To me, that looks like a confirmation that I can, okay? Yeah, but then if you like, say, hey, Buzz, Alex can't hip throw Deontay Wilder, right? Then that looks like a confirmation of what you said. Or what you're thinking. Because I know what you're thinking. You don't think I can do it. Joe looks like he smells bullshit. On who? He's facing me. Why don't you tell me who I can hip throw? Like, who's the most impressive person in the world that I could hip throw? Alex Jones.
Let's do fight corner roll. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll go first. Okay. Tua Tungabailoa, Kyler Murray, or Justin Herbert? Oh, sorry, not Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow. Three oh. rookies. So we're going three rookies. We're going Tua Tungabailoa, we're going Joe Burrow, and we're going um, Justin Herbert. So the Dolphins rookie quarterback, the Chargers rookie quarterback, and the Bengals rookie quarterback. All right, I'm fighting Joe Burrow. Wow. Money fight. Heisman Joe, winner. Joe Burrow's the money. F- okay, yeah, yeah, the Heisman, because if you beat him, you get his Heisman. National champion, Heisman winner. That's what he's coming off of, you know. That's like, right, yeah, that's right. So Because I'd say of the three, two is the more popular, but two had the injury. So, yeah, Joe Burrow's now the money fight, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And, and Tua, I got to be in his corner, you know, obviously. I got to uh-huh. ride with my dog. So, it's like I got to be be on that, that bandwagon there. I got to be in that team. Um, you know, helping the cause. I can't be mm. fighting them, um, or even rolling them. That's just like, right? I don't know. I just wouldn't want to hurt him at that point or anything. Like, what if I tweaked his shoulder or something? What if he just like landed or posted on? You know, mm. like I couldn't hurt him. Probably keep him as far away from an interaction of fighting as possible. Yeah. But then again, if I'm cornering him, I'm kind of like pushing him into battle at that point. Mm. But of course I'm confident in him. But you could tell him to, to throw the fight. And then that's it. He loses, but he doesn't get hurt, and we win a Super Bowl. Right. So. I'm... I just realized... You didn't answer earlier if I could hip throw Tua. And I feel... I, I'm, 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 like, legitimately offended. Tua's, Tua's an NFL quarterback. Tua's probably never fought in his life. Tua weighs significantly less than me. No way. Tua no. probably weighs like 210? No way. Tua does not weigh 210 pounds. He's a quarterback. Yeah. Think They're he's... like 6'3. Tua's like 5'4. <laughs> Tua's short. Tua's probably 6'1. No six way. Two. If Tua's 6'2, he's 6 foot. Okay. You think he weighs 210 pounds? No. Mm-hmm. Probably 190. 195. Yeah. 190, yeah. Who are you rolling with? <laughs> Justin Herbert? I'm rolling with Herbert. Alright, so... Um, given that, like, in real life, my chances against all three of these, according to Joey, is very slim... That really affects how I do this now. Because mm. now, what used to be a fun game of me imagining myself fighting and beating these people is now me imagining myself losing to them. And if I have to lose to anybody, it's going to be Tua. I'm going to fight Tua because I want Miami Dolphins oh my God. to be so popular. And so if he beats me, then... That just increases his popularity. You're just going to let him start you? Apparently, like I'm not just going to let him. Apparently, he's just going to do <laughs> it. I can't even hip throw a person that's never fought. Uh, I mean, what am I going to do against him if I can't even hip throw him? I mean, he's, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you, you, you said it yourself. <laughs> so, I mean, apparently, I'm not going to let him do anything. He's just going to go in there and, and, and beat me up. And then I'm going to roll with, um, I'm going to roll with Joe Burrow because it is a money fight, but maybe we can make some money in jujitsu. And, you know, 
I guess definitely pulling guard. Not gonna <laughs> <laughs> probably not gonna be able, probably not gonna be able to hip throw a Joe Burrow. Um, you know, and then uh, that puts me cornering Justin Herbert. He just he just cut his hair. Did he? Yeah, he looks. I don't want to. I I feel bad. He he doesn't look great. He doesn't look as good as he did. Right. He went from like statuesque, you know. Yeah, the Cali kid. Now he looks. He looks. He looks like a like an eighth grader now. Really. Yeah, he don't look. He don't look hot. Like Mm. by hot, I don't mean sexual. I mean he doesn't look hot. Like you don't look too hot, kid. You know, check Mm. your pulse, or check your temperature. Oof. That's something Gruden would say. Hey, kid, don't look too hot. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're like genuinely just having a bad day, he'll just come out to you and make it absolutely worse. Yeah. Like, hey, look like shit, kid. Tampa two. Um. Well, this was terrible. Yeah. A lot, a lot. I just learned a lot about myself today. Yeah, well, this was hard to get through. This I felt like a lot of tension. Um, I feel like we should. Um, Maybe go to some sort of group therapy. Some, oh. some sort of... Do they have, like... I, I just want to know why you called me smelly. I'm honestly still thinking about that. I, mean, I think that was a projection. Do I stink? Oh, you're saying I stink at takedowns. So then that makes me smelly in real life. Wow. Please say that's what it was. Because I really take pride in not smelling bad, dude. I got lots of soaps. So many soaps. And I scrub the hell out of my arms. For some reason, a lot of people don't focus on the arms. When you take a shower, mm-hmm. how hard do you go on the arms? You probably just do it once, and then you're focusing everywhere else, No, right? I remember having a realization a long time ago, like, dang, I don't, I just, like, skimp out on my arms. And I remember having this realization, hmm. I think it was around middle school, like, damn, people be sleeping on their arms. Arms are dirty. Yeah. But I, not mine. No, Mine aren't freaking dirty. Mine, I, I, I go in on these arms. Yeah. And, the, you know, everywhere, everywhere else. I, I don't you ignore. You bits. Of course. Yeah. I don't ignore. I clean mine, too. Yeah. I don't, the back of your knees. But you haven't, but you haven't paid attention to the back of your knees in a minute. Hmm. 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 And I'm the smelly one. <sighs> anyway, um, we'll see if we can, we'll see if we can get Joey to answer the question straight next week on... Who I can hip throw because we still have we still have yet to he said Alex Jones and I think what who did you say last week did you say Rosie O'Donnell you said something ridiculous and and it's just like Joe Biden I mean do you hear that I mean we're supposed this is supposed to be you know two guys just camaraderie but there's these insults that's the most powerful <laughs> not yet apparently um, so next week after Trump wins the recount we'll talk more about hey once la ha ha Oh, thank God this didn't stop.